Pastor Rob asked a while back if we would each one of us take a, a, a value and explain that value in a way that we could, as a church, embrace that into our practice, into our ideas and preferences, and into our perception of who we are at Anchor Church. In the middle of the drawing out, I don't necessarily know why Pastor gave me the topic of honor, but that is what he gave me. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today is a framework of honor. And, um, you know, I had to stop and think about it because I've never really done much thinking about honor. Maybe you haven't either. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, for some of you, as well as myself, I live and work in an environment where honor is a big thing. When, when there's music being played at 0800 or in the evening, we stop wherever we're at on base and we pause because we want to honor those that have gone before us. On our uniform, there are different markings about different things that give allusion to part of the history of America and there's honor in wearing that uniform. But that's not necessarily what the Bible is talking about. So I had to go back and I had to look at the Bible about what the Bible says. And I'm pretty sure that even if you're a newbie with the Bible, you're gonna understand that there's parts of the Bible that are pretty well known. And it involves honor. For example, honor your father and mother, right? We've always heard that. That's out of Exodus and we see it in the Torah. And then there's even mention of it in, in Matthew that we're to give this honor. And I know that, that a lot of times we even struggle with that. What does that mean for us as children when we're small and we are to honor our mother and father? But even as adults, how are we as adults to honor our mother and father? Well, the interesting thing is that if you were to look at the Hebrew root word of honor, honor, the, the Hebrew word, word is basically saying something that's heavy, all right? Something that has a weight to it. And that's true of the Greek word as well in the New Testament, because the, the Greek word is to, is to observe this, this heaviness in a way that commands respect, right? So in light of that Exodus passage, we, we see that, that, that we are to give weight to the words our parents use, right? That we're going to take advice, but we should really listen to what to what, to what our parents are saying. And I think it's interesting too, because in that Exodus passage, it's, it's, it's being addressed, that Exodus passage is being addressed to adults. It's not kids. God's not saying honor your father and mother to children. He's actually saying it to adults that, that when we're growing up and we're having our own families and when we're developing our own businesses and when we're doing our own things in this world, as adults, we need to give a certain weightiness and respect to the advice that our parents are maybe instructing on. That's actually not the passage we're gonna talk about today, but, but that's kind of a primer for this idea of weightiness because, because in this idea of honor, we're gonna to look today in the Bible about how do we honor God? And, and, and really it all starts with God, right? I mean, your life starts with God, our existence starts with God, well then honor should start with God. And, and if we properly understand how to honor God, well then we're gonna properly understand how to honor other people that we come into contact with. If you've got a Bible, please turn to the book of Malachi. Now, it's kind of a random book, and I, I, there's a good chance that maybe you've been to Anchor for a long time, and you've never really gone to Malachi. Or if you've gone to Malachi, you've gone to passages that are normally used in Malachi, like the whole, you got a tithe part, right? Well, we're not going to talk about that part. We're going to talk about a much darker, gruesome, 
weird, wonderful, fantastic passage in Malachi chapter two. Now let me set the setting. Malachi is a prophet. It's the last book in the Old Testament. And uh, right before you get to the New Testament, and we're about 400 years uh, before the time of Jesus showing up on earth. And Malachi is a prophet who is speaking to the people who live in Judah, all right? So the nation of Israel goes into a civil war and it splits in two, the north and the south. Israel's in the north, Judah's in the south. And because a nation splits, can't stand uh, for much long in, in, in a divided nation, there are enemies that come in, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, they come in and they captivate the people and they take them away. It is the, it is, it, it is the great uh, 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 exile uh, into captivity. And we have stories of Esther and Daniel and Nehemiah. In fact, Nehemiah comes back and starts building because there's a king named Darius in Persia who allows the, 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 the natives of Judah to come back to this land and begin to build. And so they begin to build their town and they begin to build Jerusalem again and they begin to build the temple wall and then they begin to build a temple. And while the temple is nothing like it was with Solomon, David's son, it's still a great temple. People go back to worshiping. It's like they had this great catastrophe and now that things are calming back down, people go back to their old way of, of, of living. And the way the Israelites were living was they were kind of going to worship and then they were doing their own lives however they please. It's like you and I, we go to church on Sunday or on Friday night or you're watching it online, but you're gonna kind of live your life however you want on all those other moments. And that brings us into the judgment of what God is doing because we're not paying him honor. It'd be like this. You and I come to church and we're sitting in church. Let's say Pastor Tom's preaching that Sunday. And as he's preaching, we're like, man, I love that message. God, you really touched my heart through that. Man, that is amazing. Man, Tom was amazing. Man, Tom is awesome. Man, Tom is doing this. Man, I wanna be like Tom. Man, I wanna be a disciple of Tom. I want, man, I'm, man, that was just great because we were touched by, we were touched by God through the work of Pastor Tom, but we've put the wrong expectation and we've put him on a pedestal that he doesn't need to be on. He doesn't even want to be on it. Ask him. He doesn't want to be on that kind of pedestal. He is not God. He is just a messenger of God. But sometimes we get our priorities mixed up. And so the next Sunday, we show up the next Sunday and it's one of the other pastors, right? Pastor Rob, Pastor Tammy, Pastor Trevor, whatever. We're like, okay, that's cool. Man, I gotta sit through this, you know, all right. It's not Tom, of course, because when Tom gets up there, that's how I'm touched by God, right? And so it's just amazing stuff. It's okay. And, 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 then, and then the next week you're like, man, I, I don't know about this, I don't know about this. But then it comes back around, you're like, oh, Tom's doing it. Oh, and then we've got the varsity, you know, worship team up there and they're playing my song. This is a great, man, this is exactly the way it's supposed to be. This is how it's done. I'm gonna pay him honor. I'm gonna follow him and make sure I'm gonna talk to him, all this kind of stuff. And church is over and you're walking out of church and you're so fired up, like, man, I'm gonna give him the high five. I'm not even going to do the Pastor Rob air high five. I'm going to give him the whole high five. Maybe do the bro clap where you slap hands and you do the two pats and you separate. I'm going to do that. And as we walk out the door, we see Tom and Tom is talking to another family. And he's so involved with ministering to that family that he forgets that, we, that he doesn't even see us as we walk by. We feel rejected. We feel angry. And all of a sudden we're hurt. And Tom falls off the pedestal and we're like, man, I don't like Tom. I don't like what's going on. I'm not even gonna show him honor again. He didn't do what I expected him, what I wanted him to do. 
And that's kind of what the Israelites are doing. They're putting God in this, in their own little box. It's not that they're lifting him up high because he's, because he's glorified as who he says he is. They put him in this little corner. God, you're gonna do this for us and you better do it our way. And the, not only are the Israelites doing this, but the priests are doing it as well. And in chapter two, we see God's judgment on this. I'll start in verse one of chapter two and you follow along as best you can because this is great stuff. It says, listen, you priests. He's talking to the people who are, who, who are the worship leaders, who, who, who are the pastors, who are the leaders, who, who, are the, who are the small group leaders, the connect group leaders, the mission leaders. Listen, you priests. This command is for you. Listen to me and make up your minds to honor my name, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Or I will bring a terrible curse against you. I will curse even the blessings you receive. Indeed, I've already cursed them because you have not taken my warning to heart. Look at this, verse three. I will punish your descendants and splatter your faces with manure from the festival sacrifices. And then I will throw you on the manure pile. Verse four, then at last you will know it was I who sent you this warning so that my covenant with the Levites can continue, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Wow. That's an intense text. God just said he was gonna wipe manure on their faces and throw them on the pile. What's going on right here? Well, these guys have been playing games with God. God, I wanna worship you. I'm gonna sing the songs. I'm gonna do whatever I'm gonna do. I'm gonna kind of walk up and I'm going to uh, uh, do the bare minimum of what I need to do. What are they doing? They're mocking him. They are, they are patronizing him. They are playing this game where like, if I just, if they're trying to juke God and like fool him and make him think uh, that he is worshiping, but then they're not really gonna live it out. And before, by the way, you get all wound up and like, man, that is, that is horrible that they're doing about that. Let's look in the mirror first. When do you and I say, God, man, you're awesome. You're number one, you're priority. In fact, we, you know, I, I remember when I was, was younger, we used to sing this song. I could sing of your love forever and we would say it, you know, and, and, and there's nothing that I wouldn't do for you, you know? And in a moment I stopped, started thinking, well, man, is there, is there nothing I wouldn't do? Because I do have limits. In fact, sometimes I'm in church and I get angry during football season because I'm like, man, it's time to get out of here. I got to get to lunch or I got to do this, right? I got to do that. So I got other things. Or even worse, I let God fit in my schedule when I have time. Like maybe when I, I'll make it as easy as possible to meet with God and I'll give him five minutes, like a little sprinkle of Jesus or something like that. And I hope that that gets me enough. That is not paying him. That is not giving him the weight of saying, I'm gonna pause and reflect and really acknowledge who you are. God will not be mocked. God will not be made a fool. And so we're sitting here going, what do we do with this? Well, the first thing we do in proper context is realize that we aren't the Israelites, okay? You and I are 21st century Americans. And in realizing that we can learn from this and we can make sure that we don't do the same thing with Christ. Because the beautiful thing is that Jesus Christ, he paid the punishment for you and I treating God as if he's some kind of fool and going, well, I'm gonna listen to you when I feel like it, right? Or God, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have you show up on Sunday morning or Friday night, but like on, 
Monday through Friday during the day, I got business to do. I got things to take care of. I'm gonna do my weekend and I'm gonna do this as well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live this double life. In fact, I'm gonna live this life where I'm, I'm wearing one mask and then I'm gonna take off another mask. Well, the interesting thing is the Greek terminology for that is an actor. An actor in the Greek culture would wear one mask and they would take off another. And the Greek word for that was hypocrite. So maybe we need to pause for a moment and say, I'm not going to be that actor pretending. I'm gonna not play games with God and I'm gonna repent and say, Jesus, thank you that you were the one that took the punishment for me. I definitely don't wanna mock you. I want to honor you. I wanna carry it with this weighted heaviness. So maybe the first thing we need to do is we need to recognize that when we come into worship, corporate worship, it's not about who's speaking. It's not about who's singing. It's not about if they play my music as if it's like some top 40, you know, a Spotify playlist that I'm trying to get to. Or, or we have our little pet people that we like to have teach at certain times. But we go, God, this is about me coming together on Friday night, on Sunday mornings, and being with other people who agree with me. And we all agree that you are worthy of being the heaviest voice in the room as you speak to your people about what we do next. That, my friend, is showing honor. It's about preparing and not just making God an afterthought, right? That whole idea of God is my co-pilot. No, he, he created the car. He is the car. He's the driver. He's everything. If anything, you're that beaten up antenna thing that's just flying in the wind, you know, that's been wandered around through rain and everything, right? God is the main thing. He's trying to teach the people here in Malachi the same principle. So if you and I go, okay, got it, Trev, got it. So I need to come in with this attitude that I need to honor God and I need to really make him the, the, the heavy re reflectionary thing. God, you are in control. And, 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 and by the way, a lot of times we, we tend to not wanna give God honor. I mean, let's just be honest. We don't wanna give God honor because we wanna be in control. You wanna be in control. I wanna be in control, right? When I'm at work and I have somebody who is one of, one, of, one of my authority figures and he says something to me and I don't really like it, I have to work to make honor happen to show that person honor. Um, and, and what that means is I have to still submit to that idea, right? Whether it's a boss or a parent or whoever, right? We have to still submit. And that's what you and I have to do. Maybe today the first step you need to do in, in showing God honor is to go, God, I submit, I'm gonna quit trying to finagle things. I'm gonna tr quit trying to be a wheeler and a dealer. I'm gonna tr quit trying to be a manipulator and look for loopholes. I submit to you today. My work, my family, everything, it's yours. It's yours. And then that leads us to the next step. How do we relate with other people? Well, see, if I'm ultimately submitting everything to God, then God tells me in the next step what I need to do is I need to recognize the greatest commandment, which is love, the God, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And so if I'm fully submitting myself to say, I'm gonna honor you, God, then I'm gonna allow you to work through me so that I can also work to serve others. Now that sounds pretty deep. So let me just give you a practical example. So what that ends up looking like for us is let's say you're driving on the 8th Street and you're trying to get over to town real quick. And as you're driving over to get into town, you're on the left lane and there is somebody in that left lane and they're going so slow. Like they're going way slow. 
and you wanna pull up next to him and you wanna go, hey man, the left lane is for passing, not for driving slow at 20 miles an hour as we're going uphill. I understand you have a four cylinder and it doesn't excel really well, but like you've got to move over. And you may even know this person, he's like, man, I see the anchor sticker in your back window. So maybe I'll just tell you next time we're at church that you don't know how to drive and you're, 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 you're horrible at this, right? That's the flesh coming out. That's me honoring myself. But if I honor God, then I can stop and point and go, God, I submit to you. Maybe there's something going on in that life. Because what you don't know is maybe the reason why that person's driving so slow is because they were just told that day at work that for the third time in the past year, they've been let go of their job. And maybe they don't wanna drive home so fast and tell their wife that once again, they've gotta start looking for stuff again. And then you build that Christ-like compassion. Or maybe you're on the same road. And uh, you're trying to go and, and trying to get to places and this guy's just right behind you and he's just speeding and he's just tailgating you the whole time. And you're like, man, what is your deal? What is your problem? Yes, I see the Dodge Ram grill like right behind me as if it's in my back seat. What is your, and so what do we do in our flesh? We kind of step on the brake, don't we? We're like, oh, if you want to go fast, I'll show you what slow is. Don't you want to be safe here? Don't you want to, I mean, we start becoming the judge, right? But if we stop and go, okay, God, help me see this through your eyes. This guy's obviously in a hurry. Maybe the guy's in a hurry, I don't know, maybe because he was in the middle of work and he got a phone call that his three-year-old daughter fell off the swing and she's not breathing and she's being rushed to the hospital. I'm not saying that that's the case in every situation, but I am saying what we do need to do is submit our own flesh and lay it at the altar and let us be living sacrifices. And God, say, God, let me see people, by honoring you, let me see people the way you see them which is like sheep without a shepherd, the Bible tells us. So what are the principles? I'm gonna give you three quick principles in closing real quick. First off is this, if you wanna honor God, you've got to understand that first, God will not bless something that does not bring him honor. God is not gonna bless something in your life if it doesn't bring him honor. Don't try to live something that is against God's word and against his will and is against giving him honor and expect him to bless it. Number two, we need to realize that we often put ourselves as the judge when we decide who does and who doesn't deserve God's love. Think about that audacity and the pride in that, that you feel like you're the judge that should determine who should and who shouldn't have God's love. When we honor God, we then say, God, I'll let you be the one and you love everyone. So what do you need to do through me to love these people? And then thirdly, we demonstrate the great commandment by honoring God through loving others. Now we do that in three ways. We look at people. In fact, I'll tell you this. How do you look at people? I look at people usually, just to be very candid, in three different formats. I go to church on Sunday, for example, and I leave, and the family goes out to lunch afterwards. I don't know where we're at, getting sushi, Italian, you know, whatever. And as we're walking through that, I will find myself often driving by lots of people. They're just kind of in the background. They're in other cars. They're out on the sidewalk. Those are people I called scenery all right? They're just kind of part of the scenery in life, right? I don't know them. They don't know me. I can't recognize, couldn't pick them out of a room. They're just scenery, right? There's people in your life that, that are just scenery. They don't matter, right? They don't matter to you. 
And then there's people, once I get to the restaurant, the hostess, the waiter, all that kind of stuff, they're machinery. They do things for me, right? I need them to go get me the ahi tuna. I need them to go get me the eggplant parmesan. I need them to go do this and go do that. And I determine their value based on what they can do for me. So, so, so I've treated some people like scenery. I've treated some people like machinery. But if I'm gonna honor God, I need to treat everybody with ministry. You have put me in the place of these people. You have put me in the midst of these people for a reason at this time. Maybe you don't think you have value, but please, beloved, know this. God has strategically placed you at your point in life, at your place in work, in your family, during this time, at this moment, for a reason. And it is to bring him glory and to bring him honor by loving others. So don't, even today, stop and say, God, I'm sorry that I've looked at people as scenery. I'm sorry that I just use people for machinery. Let me instead see people as ministry. In fact, you may even want to pray this even right now. So wherever you're at, um, if you're in your living room, kitchen, whatever, just pause for a moment. Just close your eyes. If you're listening on, you know, on your phone and you're driving, please don't close your eyes, but you can pray, right? And just, and just, and just you may just want to stop and just start praying and say, God, I'm sorry that I've treated so many people like scenery and machinery. And I wanna start treating them like ministry. But first off, I wanna treat you the right way, God, and show you honor. So forgive me for not treating you like scenery, where I've just had you in the background, or, or machinery, God, where I only use you when I need you, like your Santa Claus or, or, or some kind of, a lottery machine where we're like Pastor Rob said last week, I just kind of throw the Hail Mary prayer pass, even though I don't normally pray, even though I don't normally do these kind of things. Lord, I need this. Help me pass the test. Help me get the job. You know, God, forgive me for only coming to talk to you when I need something from you. Because I don't want to live that, that machinery life with you either. I want to submit to you and serve you in ministry the way you've served me. And God, thank you because you've served me by paying the punishment of my rebellion, that you took my sin and you went to the cross and it killed you. Thank you though, that you rose again, showing that you're Lord over life and death and, 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 and you were the king of all. And so while Lord, I ask you to forgive me, but I also wanna say thank you for going on the cross. And so would you please not only forgive me, but would you please come into my life and would you be my king and let me serve you? Not trying to use you or mock you or patronize you by scenery or machinery, but let me serve you as king in ministry. And thank you. It is in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.